So I was arrested my sophomore year of high school. It's a long story. It's one that I've told here before, and it included stealing my dad's car so I could get McDonald's french fries, which was a really bad idea. And I busted the rim and the tire of the car, and I ended up trying to steal a tire off of another car. Also, really bad idea. I'm sure I'll tell the story again in detail. I don't know why I keep bringing it up. It makes me sound like an idiot, mostly because I was a big old huge idiot. But on a day like Mother's Day, what I wanted to do was to talk about how my parents reacted, in particular, how my mom reacted. So after being in juvenile detention for most of the day, mom and dad had traveled from where they were in Louisville, Kentucky. They were at a Christian church conference, which now I think is hilarious. (laughs) And they came to pick me up. So I get picked up, I'm in the car, I'm on my way home, and the drive home is silent. And when I got home, I remember sitting at the dining room table, and I'm terrified, not just because of what happened, but because of what's about to happen, you know? And my creative imagination is thinking, okay, they can't kill me, right? Like, people would get suspicious. I was just seen in public, but it could get pretty bad. And so I sat there, and I'm silent, and they're silent, and three words that came out of my mom's mouth have impacted me really for the rest of my life, probably more than they even realize. So there I am, the criminal, the idiot. And these were the first words spoken to me after this terrible and epically bad decision. Are you ready for it? So my mom looked right at me, and she said, are you okay? I burst into tears. Are you okay? Those three simple words cut through me like a knife because they reminded me that even though I was certainly going to face consequences for my actions, which I did, I'm looking forward to not being grounded anymore, but my mom was deeply concerned for me. She was not proud of what I had done, believe me, But the overarching question, are you okay, revealed her care and that her concern went beyond my actions or my behavior. She was concerned for me. Now, I'm sure my parents are thrilled that I get up here and talk about these terrible days, like from my childhood. But I wanted to share this moment in particular because it's actually a moment of love and care that my mom shared on one of my worst days. And those words, are you okay, I think have formed me in a way that I live my life and in the way that I love my kids and the way that I do my best to parent them. So I just want to say, hey, mom, if you're watching online, thanks. Happy Mother's Day. I'll call you later. It'd be awkward if I called you right now. But Mother's Day is kind of an interesting day, isn't it? It's important, I think, for moms to feel loved, to feel celebrated, to be thanked for all they're doing, all they have done, all they will do. But some moms today are grieving. Some moms today are lonely. Or maybe you're struggling because you desperately want to be a mom. And some of us don't have good relationships with our moms Or some of us forgot it was Mother's Day until this morning. And like Reed said earlier, we've got you covered. See us afterwards. We'll take care of you. We can help you out. But thinking of Mother's Day kind of got me thinking a little bit. And I believe that one of the most powerful forces in the universe that shapes our perception and experience of God is our parents. 
Here's what I mean. Have you ever watched a TV show or a movie and somebody goes to therapy? Like, I'm a big believer in counseling. I go to counseling myself. It's a huge deal. It's so helpful. But what's the cliche? Like, somebody kind of lays down on the couch, and, and it's like, well, how are you feeling? And it's like, well, tell me about your relationship with your mom, or tell me about your relationship with your dad. There's a reason that that's a cliche. Or if you're a parent, have you ever seen your child do something that you do, and you know immediately, oh, no, that's me. Or if you're a child, have you ever done something that your like, mom does and you're like, I just sounded just like my mom? And we get miserable, we're terrible, we don't know what to do. Now, I was a really active kid. And some uh, might call me a challenge. I choose to call myself an opportunity. But my parents are, are really good not bringing this up every time that we talk, but I can, I can see it in their eyes. When one of my kids is acting up, they look at me with this look of like, this is what you get. You were like this. So what does this have to do with anything? What am I trying to say? Here's, here's kind of what I'm trying to say. Our parents shape our view of God. The good stuff and the good parts of our relationships with our parents and the bad stuff and the bad part of our relationships with our parents. And I was thinking really every single time that I interact with my kids, I'm shaping their view of God. Does that terrify you as much as it terrifies me if you're a parent? That is just, it's so intense. It's sobering. So hear me, if you feel this pressure, especially on a day like today, especially moms in the room, dads in the room. We cannot live up to this pressure. We will mess up. Our kids will have to work through things when we're older. That doesn't mean we don't try. But listen, it will happen because we will make mistakes and kids look at their parents and learn. We've looked at our parents and learn. See, parents are our first and maybe most formidable window into all these things like affection or authority or attention or tenderness or strength or discipline or forgiveness or love. See, the list goes on and on and on. It's the first place that we experience those things. And if you're messed up, it's likely your parents had something to do with it. And if you're doing okay, it's likely your parents had something to do with it. And you should probably thank them. Now, we're in this series that we're calling God in a Box. And we're talking about all these ways that we kind of try to force fit God into a box where we view him in a very specific way. Or we put a filter on him and then we expect him to like act in a certain way or respond in a certain way. And this week, we're talking about this box that we create kind of from our view of our parents, that we force fit them into this box. We're like, hey, you are like our parents. It's really our inheritance from our parents. Sometimes whether we know it or not, we do this. We view God as a supersized parent, like exactly or maybe in parallel to the way we've experienced our parents to be. The way we view God is this mixture of how we've experienced him in our life and then really how we've experienced our parents. So here, here's an example, like I was talking about at the beginning. My view of God includes God being concerned for me. 
wanting me to be okay. Because my mom asked me those three words, are you okay? I can trace back that view of God directly to my parents. There are really good things that can help in our relationship with God that our parents kind of help us with. Maybe your parents have shown you how important it is to go to church. That's why you're here right now because your mom was like, you're going. Or you got your work ethic from your parents or a skill or a business or an attitude or whatever. There's so many positive things that we get from our parents. I am very confident that I love dad jokes because of my dad who told dad jokes. I love them. Now, there are some not-so-positive things, though, in our lives, and sometimes our view of our parents have impacted the way that we view God, maybe in a more negative way. Here's an example. Maybe your father hasn't been around, and you don't have a relationship with your dad, and then you don't understand how God would want to have a relationship with you. Do you see the parallel? See, your view of parents impacts your view of God. Your dad wasn't around and it directly impacts the way you view God. And you think God is absent because your dad was absent or doesn't care because your dad didn't care or doesn't know you very well because your dad doesn't know you very well. Do you see the parallel? Now, is there something that comes up in your life, maybe a way that you struggle in your relationship with God and you don't know where it came from? My My best guess is it might have something to do with your Parents, maybe your mom has never said I love you to you, at least out loud. And you view God as a distant God who doesn't love you or is uninterested or unavailable. Do you see the parallel? Or maybe your dad was the dad who was constantly saying, you need to work harder, you need to try harder. Our family isn't one full of quitters. That's not all negative even. But your view of God is really a God that expects you to work harder and you shouldn't quit. You pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you don't need his help. Or maybe you see your parents as an incredibly loving and affectionate person. And then you see God as incredibly loving and affectionate. You see the parallel. Or maybe your parents are more loving and affectionate to the family dog than they are to you. And maybe on a day like Mother's Day, it's painful for you because your mom isn't here anymore or you have a bad relationship with your mom or you have a daily struggle as a mom or you just deeply wish that you were a mom and you've cried out and you're talking to God and your view of God is rooted in the pain or in the hurt that you feel. It's this parallel. Our view of our parents impact our view of God and we start to believe that God is uncaring. And this view of our parents mixes into our view of God. It impacts us. And somebody needs to hear this today. I need to hear this today. Your parents cannot give you a full view of God. It's impossible. They can give you some view, maybe. But God is much bigger and much better than even the best parents. And when we don't view God as he actually is, and we kind of put this filter on who our parents are, on him, we get a distorted view of God. Now, today, on Mother's Day, we're not necessarily going to talk about it. And here are all the ways that you can go and be an amazing parent. 
That's not what we're going to talk about. What we're going to talk about is how God is amazing and he loves us so much and that our view of God can be rooted in that rather than completely controlled by our view of parents. Now, before I even move on, this this kind of concept, this concept of parenting or family struggle or relationship tension, this is a huge deal in families. This is a huge deal in our lives. And if you've never really like thought about, okay, how does this impact me? Or you've never talked to somebody about it and you're like, hey, I know that I need some help or I know that I need to process this or I know that this is difficult and I haven't really fully unpacked it and I don't know how to do that. Here's what I want to tell you. We want to help you. I want to help you. We want to walk with you. And I would say that counseling is one of the best, most amazing gifts when it comes to something like this. It can help you work through these things going on in your life. I go to counseling and it is one of the best ways for me to walk through kind of spiritual development and continuing to impact and reframe my view of God. So if you're interested in that, there'll be people down here. I'll be down here afterward. We want to be a part of that with you. But there's also a lot of hope in the Bible. And the Bible talks a lot about parenting, but I want to talk about this part of the Bible that talks about God and how we can call him a loving, fully supporting parent. So we're going to spend our time in Galatians 4. So if you have a Bible app, or if you have the Ridge app, or if you're just tired of listening to me and you want to play something on your phone, go ahead and get your phone out. And in the Ridge app, There's go to media and then message notes. And you can follow along there. The the scripture is there. The points are there. You can take notes. It's really, it's a great place to kind of follow along. But Galatians is a letter written by a guy named Paul. And here's kind of Paul's, one of his main ideas of the letter. If you were being a slave, being set free, if you were a slave being set free, who would be willing to submit to slavery again. You tracking with me? If you were a slave right now and you were set free, would you willingly submit to slavery again? And the answer is no, we wouldn't, absolutely not. But Paul is saying that's what people were doing. See, they were a slave to all these rules of religion and they were set free by what Jesus did on the cross. And towards the end of the letter, Paul uses this example of a father and a child to help us understand and unpack all of this stuff and how God really loves us. So check this out. This is Galatians 4. So think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. Okay, so what is Paul saying here? Let's unpack it just a little bit. I thought maybe a a chart could explain this example that Paul is using here. So this is actually not that dissimilar to what happens today, right? So there is a father, just a parent. And the parent dies, and what happens? The parent leaves an inheritance. And we think of money, but it can also be like the legacy and who they were and what they cared about and all the types of things that we're talking about today. 
So the father has a child. Their beneficiary, they had to sign all the forms, they had to do all the stuff to make sure that they were taken care of. But in the example that Paul has given, the child is too young, too immature, a baby. So they can't have the inheritance yet. They can't be trusted with it. So we have a guardian, a trustee, so to speak, of the inheritance, kind of like the godparent maybe, you know, that type of thing. But there's someone else in this example that Paul gives. He also says, actually, it's not like we're the child. It's like we're the slave because the slave doesn't deserve the inheritance from the father. The slave is stuck at being a slave. Can't get out. So the father dies. It doesn't matter. The slave gets nothing. And Paul is saying, okay, That was all before Jesus. This is how it worked before Jesus with our spiritual inheritance with God. But Jesus changes things. So Paul gives us another view. Check this out. This is verse three. This is what he says. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were actually like slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, Jesus, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. So here's that diagram that we just were talking about. Here's the scenario. We're the slave. We don't deserve the inheritance. We're stuck. But God sent Jesus, and before Jesus came, the situation is like this. It's grim. But here's the diagram after Jesus. It might not seem like much, but it's a huge deal. See, God is the Father, and he sent Jesus as that guardian to help us. And what Jesus did on the cross changes everything. But one of the main things that he changes is Jesus fulfilled all of those rules and regulations that were burdening people. We're not slaves to that anymore. We're set free as an adopted child. Put them side by side. See, before Jesus, no inheritance. That's what Paul is saying. After Jesus, we are treated as one of God's children and we have full inheritance. This is the type of father that God is. One that does whatever it takes to make sure that we have the best possible love accessible to us. And Paul keeps going and he says in verse 6, And because we're his children... God has sent the Spirit, Holy Spirit is what he's talking about there, of his Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now, you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Now, I have three kids at home under the age of 10. And one thing I wish somebody had told me about being a parent was that my kids would come out of the womb knowing nothing. They don't know anything. How to walk, how to talk, how to eat, how to bathe. What words to use, what words not to use, what matters, what teams to root for, go Colts, what doesn't matter, how to spell, how to add, how to subtract. It's exhausting to parent a kid. No one told me. Why in the world would parents do this for their kids? Love. And maybe some obligation, but love. And one thing we can learn from these verses 
is that God is loving. And I know that that seems so simple. And I know that that seems so like blase in in the past, but this is profoundly important. God is loving and God loves you, not because of all the good things that you have done, not because you can earn it. You can't do enough bad things to lose it. God loves you and loves you perfectly. Here's another way it's described. See how much our father loves us for he calls us his children. And that is what we are. This is the same kind of image of someone adopting a kid or being a foster parent and treating that child exactly how they would treat the rest of their kids. And so those parents die and they give that inheritance in the full measure to that child. It's a co-heir. God loves us so much that he calls us his children. And because he calls us his children, we're treated like his children with more love than we can understand. Perfect love that knows what we need when we need it. Perfect love that desires a joy-filled life for us. Perfect love that is always with us. Now, when I became a parent, it became apparent. That's a pun, pun intended. I'm going to say it again. I'm really proud of this. When I became a parent, it became apparent that I was not a perfect parent. Actually, I was pretty bad at it. Your parents, or maybe you as a parent, your parents' love for you is full of mistakes. It's full of insecurities. It's full of confusion. It's full of misplaced energy. And the imperfect love of our parents impacts us. And we begin to believe that God's love for us is imperfect too. You see, that's a huge deal. Because that's not an adequate view of God. God's love is perfect because God is love. And God's perfect love is all that we need. Because we're loved as God's children, he does something pretty amazing. Paul talks about the inheritance that we get. This is verse 6 again. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. And no, I'm not going to start singing Dancing Queen up here. This is not the start of Mamma Mia. I know the words, by the way. Somebody accused me of not knowing the words. I do know the words. But Paul is saying there are two things here that are an inheritance. Did you catch them? Two things he's mentioned. Here's the first one, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And here's the second one that we can call out. We have access to him and we can cry out, Abba, Father. Because of his love, God makes sure we have exactly what we need. So if we believe in Jesus, if we follow Jesus, we become like God's children and we receive God himself, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit guides us, loves us, prompts us. It's a pretty amazing thing. It sounds super weird though. If you're not used to that concept, it still sounds weird to me sometimes. Now we actually went in depth about the Holy Spirit last October in a series called Goosebumps. So we talked about it for a couple of weeks. So if you want more information, want to do a deep dive on the Holy Spirit, check that out on our website or in our app. But here's the point. If we receive God himself, the Holy Spirit, it means we have God with us all the time. It's pretty amazing. And my youngest daughter, Ainsley, is three. She just started crying out in the middle of the night. She's like, I'm scared of monsters. I don't know why. She's never been scared of the dark. I don't know if it was something she watched or if it was some cruel joke from one of her siblings or whatever. I don't know. But what does she do? 
She's desperate. She's scared. And her instinct is to cry out. Usually to her mom, to be fair. My wife, Abby, is with Ainsley. It's a safe place for my daughter. Abby is this example of love and warmth and care. And like a child in the middle of the night, scared of a monster, we can cry out to God. The literal word here that's used in verse 6, Abba, you know what that's translated as? Daddy. Like a little kid, we can call out to a perfect loving parent, Abba, Daddy, we need help. Now, you're probably not a toddler in the middle of the dark, scared at night, but maybe you can relate because here's the question. Do you need to cry out to God? Because sometimes we do. Is there something in your life that feels insurmountable, feels terrifying, too big, too difficult for you to deal with, for you to change? Maybe the very thing that you're carrying today is your parents didn't show up or there's some friction there or with your kids and you don't know what to do and you don't know where to turn and they don't seem to care and you don't know how to figure it out. Whatever it is for you, here is the promise that he's saying, here's your inheritance. You have access to God himself and you can cry out. And not only can you cry out, but he will show up out of love for his child. See, your parents can't give you a full view of God, but thankfully God can give you a fuller view of your parents. Strengths, weaknesses, triumphs, failures. Cry out to God right now because God loves you so much, he wants you to cry out to him. And he hears you. And you might be thinking, I don't know how to do this. I feel silly doing this. And I get that. But just like it says, all you have to do is just say, Abba, Father, I need your help. And he'll show up. I don't know about you, but sometimes I need help. And I need to cry. And I need to know what to do. And he will come alongside us. And that doesn't mean it's all perfect. But you are not alone. Your feelings are not the end of the conversation. Cry out to God. And God will come alongside of you. And the church can come alongside of you and to help. Why? Because God is loving. But it doesn't even end there. That's not even all of the inheritance. And I love this. This is verse 7. Now you're no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you're his child, what does it matter? What's your inheritance? God has made you his heir. We're his family. We're no longer a slave, no longer cut up in these incomplete or inadequate views of God. We're no longer ensnared by hopelessness. We're no longer consumed by fear because we're God's children and we're loved perfectly by Abba, Father, Daddy, and heirs to his inheritance. That's the big idea for today. See, God is a loving parent, a perfect loving parent, and we are part of his royal family. Because of God's love for us, we are heirs. So what is our inheritance? Well, on earth... It's access to the Holy Spirit and everything that the Holy Spirit brings. Hope, joy, peace, patience, kindness, comfort, strength. And it's also access to God that we can cry out to God and he'll hear us and he'll care. And then our eternal inheritance is heaven. And Abba, Father, we cry out to him and we receive his inheritance and he reminds us of his love. It's not our view of parents. That's a more adequate view of God. So right now, if you would, just close your eyes. Bow your head with me. 
And think about your hopes, your worries, your dreams, the things you're crying out to God about. What would God's response be? I think it might sound something like this. You are my beloved child. I love you more than you could ever know, more fully than you could ever comprehend, more perfectly than you could ever hope for. I love you. You are forgiven. I know what you've done. I know what you will do. And there is nothing that can change my love for you. You are my beautiful creation. You are my child. You are part of my royal family. And I am so proud of you. I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for your love. I'm thankful that your love is big enough that we don't fully get it. I'm thankful that your love is so significant that it fills in every area that we would need. And I know as a parent and as somebody who has parents that a day like today can be really difficult. And so we celebrate those areas that we need to celebrate. We thank you for the love that you have shown many of us through our parents. Also, we admit that as parents, we fall short, that our parents have fallen short, that our view of them is not a full view of you. And I just thank you so much for your love and for the cross and for because of what Jesus did on the cross, our relationship with you is full and that we are considered not just free, but we are considered like a part of the royal family of the creator of the universe. Thank you for your love. And today, as we cry out to you with whatever is going on in our head or in our heart, you encourage us to run to you, full speed to you, because you care, because you are with us, because you will provide, because you love us. Thank you for your love. We lay all of this at your feet. And it's in Jesus' name and because of him that we pray today. Amen.